And I, I just wanted to very briefly share when I thought about the community hub. To me, this is a place where we can practice friendship with perhaps the most unlikely people. Some people accuse the Gospel of John of <coughs> not being loving enough. Because the Gospel of John doesn't have the explicit command to love your enemies, uh, which the other Gospels do have. But I think it was Fiona who shared a little over a year ago in one of your sermons, Fiona. You shared this line and it stuck with me and it actually helped me to understand what's going on in John's Gospel even better. Is that we, we think that enemy love is perhaps the hardest love that we can imagine. But if you really think about it, and that was your point, Fiona, the hardest love is the persistent love for those that are closest to us because we know them so much better than our enemies that perhaps we see on the news, or, and so on and so forth. And, and for me, over this, this past year, the Community Hub has really been a place where I don't choose who comes in, and I don't choose who I meet there on a daily basis, I don't choose who starts talking to me when I sit down for, for a cup of coffee, but it is my deep conviction that everyone there the one real thing they are looking for is friendship. Uh, it is friendship. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it's hard to love people that are seeking for friendship, because not all of the people that you meet there are easy to get along with. Um, there are some people that, that come there because there's no other place to go, and that's one of the, the wonderful things about the Community Hub. I think it, has, it really has an ethos and, and an atmosphere of welcome. And Kath is one, well, as, as the, the, the founder and the initiator, I think, Kath, you, you have really uh, made that place a place where people feel welcome and feel loved. And so, without further ado, I just want to hand over to you and uh, allow you to share about some of the work that you've been doing over the last years. sort of see happen over the past few years and hopefully we'll be able to do it so I can see the laptop. It seems a while ago now, um, but in about 2012, I'd met up with a parish nurse over in Dundee, because um, I'd never heard of parish nursing, and I'd just seen an article about these guys that were working over in the steeple in Dundee, so I went across, intrigued, as a nurse who loves being a Christian, but sometimes your wings are a little clipped um, in different areas that you work. Um, so, so yeah, went over, prayed with her, saw her, thought that's amazing, but it wasn't quite for me. So carried on nursing in the community here. So I was doing a mixture of case managing and obviously working within some care packages with complex clients. So people on ventilators or people with head injuries or people needing quite a lot of input. Um, so I was bringing people home from, from hospital or doing things around that sort of ethos. Um, 
2013, Barbara, the parish nurse over in Dundee, phoned me up and said, Kath, why didn't you apply for the job in St Andrews? Didn't see it, wasn't looking. What are you talking about? So she said, Oh, well, Pilgrim Care after a parish nurse. Or a... So I said, Oh, okay. Can I give your name to, to them? And I said, Yeah, of course you can. So about two days later, there's a knock at my front door. And the chairman of the board then of Pilgrim Care, Douglas, um, was at the front door. So Barbara had obviously semi described roughly where I lived or where she thought I lived. <laughs> and he just chat at all the farm cottages until he found somebody who knew me that directed him to my front door. So if that's not stepping out of your faith, tell me what is. But that was the start. So it was a case of, right, Kath, can you, are you interested? Can you come and meet us as the board? So I'm thinking I'm meeting the board, they're going to tell me all about this marvellous job and that would be that. No, it was Kath. So how would you set parish nursing up? And that was me, right, okay, let me, let me share, let me share what was on my heart. Because obviously I'd, I'd looked at what Pilgrim Care was, I'd seen what Barbara was doing. I'd been around in St Andrews in the community for a wee while, as well as across Scotland. At the time I was still doing quite re um, work across the whole of the, the country. Um, so it was a case of, right, this is what I think. So, so that's where we started. Um, and that was really what I pulled out from what's Pilgrim Care about. So if, as a Christian and a nurse, I couldn't do this and couldn't really resonate with this, well, there must be something wrong with me. So how could I not share the love of Christ by giving people back the need for hope, purpose, a sense of being loved? Now, I was working with the older person, and a lot of old people sometimes struggle with that, that they feel like they've been put on the scrap heap. And really, wow, there's so many people that I've learned so much from. Um, so that was where the journey started. So obviously, project management head on, this is what I'm going to do. Well, what does God do with that? You know, I come up with a plan and God throws it out the window and says, no, trust. So we're going to start off with what's in the town? What needs to happen? Who's about? How can I do this? So. That's Kath, right, okay, so a list. I need to speak to the GPs, I need to speak to um, the people who, who run some of these organisations that have got sheltered housing or retirement housing. I need to go out and meet these different people. So, you know, knock at the first few doors and instantly it's like, oh, Kath, we've got this person, could you help them? Oh, Kath, we've got this person, could you help? Kath, we've got this group, could you help? And I'm like, oh, that wasn't my plan. It was, about, it was about finding out, it was about networking first. So that was where I started. Um, and I'll just share a couple of the stories that sort of came with me quite early on. Um, so from one area, I was given a gentleman um, who was really struggling because he'd been given a diagnosis. And basically, there's nothing we can do for you, there's your diagnosis, just, just go on home. So I've got, he's got no family around him, no real friends. Um, and he basically did not want to live. Um, so it was obviously causing the people around him who lived in the shelter complex um, some concerns, but they didn't know what to do. Um, so that was, that was one of the wee little gems that I'm given, and you're like, okay, God, what do I do? Do not talk to me about that God of yours. Okay, I won't. I'll just love you. Let's go for coffee. Stop being cheerful. It's a bit difficult, it's part of my nature. Um, but yes, yeah, so with that gentleman, at times I did have to 
intervene with the psychiatric team when we really did get quite close to actually, actually being serious about killing ourselves. But a lot of the time, we managed to work together. Um, and there would be SOS go out if he was feeling really low, and managed to build some sort of network around found a gentleman. Um, and he's since passed away. But at his funeral, it was a humanist funeral, which um, was quite interesting to go to. Um, but it was the case of Kath wasn't his nurse, she was his friend as well. And I thought, well, okay, so you haven't quite got what I was. You know, yes, I was his friend, yes, I was his nurse, but it was Jesus that was actually his real friend. Um, and another lady that, again, I've been given, she was came to me through the psychiatric team, um, who suffered from acute anxiety, literally could not leave her door. Um, and this lady, again, they didn't know what to do with. Um, so she was basically had a monthly visit by the CPM, um, lots of meds, and that was that. Um, so it was a case of, I sat with her, I got to know her, we had a cup of tea, we'd, we'd sort of work out what, what, what made you tick, what you enjoy, what, what, what can I do to help? Um, and some of it was around very simple things like if the postman leaves my gate open, I will have a panic attack till the postman comes the next time to shut my gate. So it's like, okay, right, so it's not a case of we want to be leaving this house at the moment, we want to be able to shut that gate. So how can we do that? So I open the front door, and just standing on the doorstep, caused anxiety, but eventually worked to the stage where she could, with her walking stick, and going down two steps, holding on to where I put a marker, where she was still safe, because she was still within the reach of the door, but she could shut that gate. So you think, to us, it's something really simple, but to that woman, that actually reduced some of the anxiety. Um, so, what else was I doing? A lot of training. Um, there was quite a few people that, that wanted to set up things within their church or set up things within different groups, but they weren't quite sure how to do it. Um, so, how do you protect people that are vulnerable? How do you talk to people? How do you listen to people? Um, so, training them on those sort of lines. And also starting to try and build some support networks. So St Andrews is an amazing town, but you probably don't know what's going on over there, and they don't know what's going on over here, and nobody seems to share. And it can be really challenging that I'll be meeting different people and they'll tell me about another group, and I'll be like, well, how come nobody knows about this group? Um, so it's trying to build those networks, one, so that I could be a bit of a fly paper if people wanted information and share it. Um, but two, so that there was some support for people. Um, I put shared at the bottom, and the reason I put that is because I ended up collecting quite a lot of guys. So there's a lot of older guys that they don't want to go to that group, it's full of women. They don't want to go to that group, it's all about talking. They don't want to go there, and you're like, well, where can they go? So I used to regularly sit at a cafe with a load of guys. And it, you know, it became a practical joke that I would. And when I wasn't there, on other days, I got them to go to the cafe quite regularly. So some of them would go for breakfast every day. And they started forming a wee group. But there was still a lot of guys that that didn't work for them. Um, so it was me, a psychiatric nurse, um, and another lady who worked in the town. We all got together and decided, really, 
within the town we need something from them. So it's then commandeering some men that can actually deliver this. So that's how the ship was set up in the town. Um, so the first sort of 18 months or so, I was regularly at the shed, whether it was to sort out health and safety because they decided you know not to hold the bottom of the ladder and climb up the top and be on the roof or what it was. It was for lots of different things until sort of training and things got put into place. Um, but yeah, that's how the men's shed came about. And I don't know if any, any of you know much about the men's shed, but they do so many amazing things. Um, I regularly turn up either a student nurse, want to tell them a bit more about or something that's broken, can't fix it, or can make this. So yeah, yeah, an amazing group of guys. Um, so, journey continues. So we've, we've sort of moved on a few years. So the men should set up. I'm still obviously working quite a lot in the community, um, quite a lot sort of doing still one-to-one -one work or, or supporting groups. Um, I'll put a tap on the shoulder because Regularly, God does. I don't know if he nudges you, but he nudged me. So, one example is a lady who booked an appointment to go and see her. She was very prim and proper, and that was how large the was. was. Said, I book another appointment, please come back and see me, cast if you discuss something else or work on something else, and that was fine. Um, God told me, go, go around and see her today. And I'm like, I felt that she didn't do work like that. No, just go. Um, so, being a little calf, I think, well, the worst she can do is shout at me. <laughs> so off I go round, looking at the front window, which is where she's normally sat, not there, ring the doorbell, not there. I think, well, okay, God, you told me to go round, so I'll trundle round back. There was a hand through the cat flap. This lady had fallen, and she was trying to attract someone's attention. And there she was on the floor. Um, so obviously, she'd got um, dementia. So I couldn't get her to understand how between the two of us we could get her up safely. She wasn't injured. Um, so I found the full scheme, but obviously they can take a wee while they were coming from Dunfermline. So we sat on the kitchen floor having a cup of tea. Oh, this lady being prim and proper, we had to have the china sauces, we had the doily out, we had the pillows all around us, and there we sat till the full scheme alive. And they were like, this is the first time I've ever seen a tea party on the kitchen floor. But it was a case of, if I hadn't responded to what God had said, she wouldn't have seen anybody and would have been on that floor all night because she only had care going in once a day. Um, another one was a lady um, who, whose health was quite frail. Um, so often she would become unwell. And God would tell me to go around and see us, and I'd go around and she'd go, I knew you'd come, Kath. I prayed. And I was like, but you could just have phoned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I prayed. <laughs> so, so this was this lady. So regularly I'd go around. Um, so again, at her funeral, her children, she'd got six children, um, and none of them really had professed any faith. But they said, at the funeral, they said, Mum used to tell us about Kath. And they'd obviously met me as well, and they were like, it was amazing, she was like an angel. When Mum was unwell, Kath would just turn up. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm not an angel, but God can tell you where to go. Um, some surprise conversations. So one, a GP had said to one of the patients, had gone to see him, um, she was very depressed. Um, but rather than prescribing antidepressants, he gave her my phone number, said, phone Kath, 
it can't, can't help you for the, over the next six months, then come back and I'll give you medication. If Kat's concerned, obviously she'll phone me in the meantime. So this lady phones me up and, and relays this story to me, and I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty impressive. Um, but the GP, though, doesn't recognise God, they've been very anti-God when I spoke to this particular GP, recognises that actually we've got something that tablets haven't got. Um, this lady now needed medication. She got back involved in groups, in people, with people again, and, and God just really, really worked with her. Um, another lady, um, who some of you may have met if you've been around the hub or been around some of the groups. Um, she was a lady who'd not left the house in about 30, 40 years. Um, so again, had been involved with the psychiatric team for years. Um, and her biggest wish was to be able to go and do her food shopping. So that was what we worked on first. Now this lady again suffered from acute anxiety. Um, so to even go out, we took extra medication with us, and she was literally a limp hit on my arm. But we got from wanting to do our food shopping to maybe attending something that I went to. But again, some days we'd just literally walk in and walk out again. Um, but she now goes to various different groups. She can even catch a taxi herself to go and have her hair done. Um, another goal she then dropped on me was, okay, Kath, um, her daughter goes on holiday abroad quite a lot. I want to go with her. I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. You know, we, we, we have an, a panic attack just going over to nine months if we have to attend a doctor's appointment at nine months. But I tend to always take it to one of the volunteers, but we'll try it. Let's, let's see what we can do. So the first challenge was actually trying to get a passport. If you're in your 80s, you've never driven. All you've got is a birth certificate. How do you get a passport? We ended up having to go over to Glasgow, to the actual passport office. Now obviously, if you're having a passport um, interview, no one can go in with you. But I'd explained ahead of time that this lady, if I wasn't within sight, I didn't have to speak, but if I wasn't within sight, she would probably have another panic attack because we were out of the comfort zone. Um, so across to Glasgow we went. Now, I had not thought to explain to her about the fact that when you go through anything like that, you've got to go through a security gate, therefore they need your handbag. <laughs> so you can imagine, we're going in and it's like, can I have your handbag? No! <laughs> so I'm then trying to prise the handbag out of the lady's hand to be able to hand it over to the man to be able to get through security to then be able to get into the office. By which time, obviously, we were quite anxious. But in a way, it, was, it enabled them to understand what, what we were saying. So she went through her interview, got her passport, and went away on holiday with her daughter. Um, so you think, God can do amazing things. Um, because this lady wouldn't have managed that otherwise. Um, another lady. Um, by this sort of time, we were at St Andrew's Episcopal Church for a lunch and a short service afterwards. So this lady had started to come. Um, she could be quite inappropriate, so she'd been barred from every other group. Um, and she got on well with me because I was the only person that would ever tell her when her behaviour was inappropriate. 
and what we should do about it. So we'd, we'd worked on this sort of relationship and she could be really hard work. She was one of those that sometimes I would sit in my car and go, God, give me grace. But she would equally come out with the amazing sort of little sayings to you sometimes. But one day she said to me, Kath, I want to be baptised. <laughs> I was like, okay, where's this come from? What does this mean? So we, we chatted through, you know, what does it actually mean to be baptised? What does it mean to give your life to God? Um, so that's what we did. So obviously as we were with that, the Episcopal Church was the church where she'd got this relationship. I asked if she could be baptised there. And I felt so blessed that even though I wasn't part of the church, I was allowed to be part of her baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was something that was quite quite special mm-hmm. that she could have her Wednesday friends, if you like, with her at a baptism. So I've just thrown up a few things that people sort of say. Um, what works? Being heard and not judged. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I criticise anybody? I, you know, I'm not perfect. I can lose my temper like anyone else. You know, it's me, you know, when you just start going through things, you think, absolutely, yes, just love people. Being shown that I've got a purpose mm-hmm. and that I'm still valued. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, just breaks my heart. There's so many people that are like, oh, why did you bother talking to me? And I'm like, because you're amazing, you're so interesting, you can help somebody else, you can do things, um, being allowed to help. So even if you can't do something, there's other things that you can do, and it's trying that brain thoughts around with people, um, that you don't look at what you can't do, you look at what you can. So you may not be able to wait on tables anymore because you're walking with a walker. But can you sit and talk to someone? Can you wrap them as a horse up? You know, what can you still do? Feeling safe and accepted. And again, there's so many people in the town, I'm sure you know them, you've met them, you've seen them, where you might not think even, do I want to sit on the bench next to them and have a chat? Well, try it. You'll actually find that they are amazing, they're lovely people. They're just misunderstood. Um, and it's bringing them into somewhere where they can be. Laughing. Now, I'm a bit wacky. I try sometimes to curb it a little, um, but a lot of the time people that start to know me realise that I can be a little mad. Um, And with some people that really helps. Um, But laughter is an amazing medicine. and being more confident in themselves. So some people aren't so good at actually saying anything, but they'll then send you a wee little message through, and I could send you hundreds of these messages. I've even got a poem that one guy wrote about me, for me, you know, it's me, and about how much, you know, it made a difference. But these are the sort of things that you get sent through, and you're like, wow, God, that's, that's pretty cool. Especially some days you think, been too busy to really speak to so-and-so if you've been in a big group or haven't really, you know, you know when you always think I could have done that better, but actually when you get a note like that through you think, okay God, your love's come through. 
So a parish nurse, I nicked this quite a few years ago from another parish nurse, and I think it really brings out the essence of what I'm about. Bring into each person the love of Jesus. That's my heart. And hopefully it just shines through. Meeting the person right where they are. So I'll sit with you on the park bench. You know, I don't care if you smell. Some days I might smell. You know, it's me and I don't care. You know, I just love people for people. And if I can't understand you, well, let's try and work out how we can communicate. Um, so I had some Ukrainian guests living with me. We found them a flat now, but when they first came to me, they knew not a word of English. Now, people that know me know that languages are not my thing. Give me science, give me maths, but languages are not my thing. But Google Translate and flamboyant hands, faces, we get there. And you think, so it means that it works with anybody. Reaching out and not refusing. Um, so again, some people can be quite demanding. Some people can be more difficult, but again, it's, it's, it's meeting them right where they are. Setting some boundaries, yes, but showing them that they're loved, that you're not going to reject them. That if the behavior is inappropriate, you're gonna say, that it's inappropriate and try and work with them so that it, you know, if they want to be part of a group, they can do. Use to repair and heal. The amount of people that you just think, you just see them shining. So they might, yeah, I won't manage that, Kath. And then you take them to a group and I'm redundant because they've met the neighbor from 40 years ago or somebody they went to school with. You just think it's just being that friend and an encourager. Introducing them to Jesus. So how often do people say, why are you happy? Why do you not reject me? Why, why do you care? Well, that's an opener to me. That's a way of sharing something. Um, and with those, some people will ask questions, some people don't. But some people then comment to others. Oh, speak to Kath, she'll help you. And you're like, well, maybe I can't, but I, need, I know somebody who can. I can pray about it. Listening and acting. So again, another fault of mine when Paula said, oh, you can, you know, speak for however long. I was like, well, I can talk. But God's actually given me the ability to listen as well. Um, and sometimes that can be difficult because I'm a natural fixer. But actually, you might need me to listen and not fix. Just listen. But actually, while I'm listening, I can pray. So I don't need to do the fixing. God can do it. And actions, not words. So I've had the privilege of sitting with some people as they're dying. And to me, that's a real privilege. And you don't often need to speak. With some people, it's just sitting. It's holding their hands. It's giving them a hug. It's letting them cry. It's whatever it is, but it's just being. So, another wee list are sort of different things from different days as to what do I do. Now, I like to eat, I like to drink, I like to chat, so you can imagine. Some of my life can be really, really fun. Um, praying with people, again, it's a real privilege. And some people may not want you to pray with them, but that doesn't stop you praying. 
doesn't stop me sending an SOS to the board when I'm a bit slimmer about some people as to just just pray because I don't know the next way to go, just just help. Um, introducing different people to different groups. Sometimes what I think they really love does not work. I had one gentleman who absolutely loved golf was struggling with dementia, so I thought the golf members group would be the best thing for him. We went, after about half an hour, he turns to me and he goes, Kat, this is just boring. <laughs> I was like, okay, I've got that one wrong. But it is, it's just the fun of just life, because you just think, well, yeah, you don't always work it out. A lot of signposting, um, sometimes referring people on, um, sometimes actually taking them, sometimes advocating for people. Um, I can be someone's friend, I can be whatever you basically need me to be. Um, so people introduce me as all sorts, but sometimes I've also got teeth. Um, if required, you know, I will advocate, I will argue somebody's case, I will ensure that they can see the doctor. Um, I will potentially work within families and try and sort out some issues there. This, again, I, I think it is absolutely real. Only God can turn an S into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, and a victim into a victory. Um, and you just think, yeah, absolutely, sometimes you just don't know which way to go. Um, example of that's been quite recently on a walk. Um, so for whatever reason, the devil was having a nail. So we ended up with a discussion going on with a group of the walkers about how using media walls and how calling spirits down was actually hard to pray. And I was like, how do I do with you? What do I say? So, you know, so I just stepped back a wee bit and I'm just praying and just thinking, God, I don't know how to intervene with this one. Um, so I just went and I went, right, does that actually make you happy? And then it just turned around, well, Kathy also don't believe in spirits. And I went, I so do. I believe in spirits. But actually what you're dealing with are evil spirits. You're saying you're cool in the dark. This is, and that's what you're doing. This is what God's the light. God actually makes you happy. God actually makes me happy. You know, I'm always happy. Okay. And you just think, that was just a seed. But you just think, how do you turn that sort of thing around? And you just... You then pray because you realise that obviously the devil is trying to meddle in something that's working. So, journey's continuing. Um, obviously, the seven women shed, there still needed to be somewhere within the town where people felt safe. Um, this was obviously what I've been told by many people. The town, I don't feel welcome. So you've got the burn running through the town. You've also got um, some people that don't feel that they can come and sit in a coffee shop because they're not accepted, they're asked to leave. So we need that safe place. So that was where the heart of the hub came from. Now there was not just me, you know, there was a lot of people that were coming together from health and social um, services, from um, lots of different voluntary organisations 
there was a sort of didn't quite know how to do, what to do, how can we get a safe place where people are allowed just to be people. Um, so that was that was where we started from. So 2016 started to discuss things. Then how do you do it? How do you set up a charity? How do you set up a business? How do you set up something like that? Um, so by 2018, um, the hub was actually registered as a business with a charity. Um, business charity status um, but we could meet in different places but sometimes the meetings had to be cancelled um, so like we were meeting in the football club for a little while but obviously if there was a funeral the group was cancelled and that can be quite disruptive um, if your normal routine is to go to a certain place on a certain day and it's shut or you're not welcome that day because something else is happening so we kept looking around and obviously I'm praying, some of the people that are obviously part of the whole board were praying um, and other people involved as for a permanent home. So St David's Centre, as you said, down by East Sands, so it's owned by Fife Council and basically the top floor had been mothballed for the past 12 years. Um, so through community acquisition, we put in a bid to actually get purchased the building. Um, so you can imagine there were some people that were for that, the community group actually, you know, making use of the building, there were some that were not. Um, so that was a real battle. Um, so got the agreement to obviously have the building in 2019. It then took just over 18 months of legal arguing over literally a word, half a word, half a percentage to actually get there. So during that time through the board, people were came asked, we're just not going to get it. And I was like, we are. We haven't got enough money, we'll have it. And it was really that step out in faith, because I just believe that that was the right place for us. It's in the right location. Um, and it did mean that we could set up that safe place. Um, during this time, obviously, Vineyard, the Vineyard became homeless as well. Their lease finished. Um, so as soon as I heard that their lease was finishing, I half foot round Cruci partner with the hub um, because it then made it more attractive if you wanted to try and get funding in. Um, but it was it was a challenging time, but equally it was a time where you just knew that what you were trying to do was right. 
it was okay for anybody to go and sort of help. There were some people that really you needed to know that you've got some sort of safeguarding, you've got some sort of understanding. Um, and there were some, obviously, that I would just keep myself or use the actual urban care volunteers to support. Um, but during COVID, obviously, I was still working as a nurse, and that could be quite challenging with a lot of people because all the groups, everything that I was involved with um, that supported people was shut. Um, and the other person was told, you just stay in your house, you do not leave. So they're becoming socially isolated, physically deteriorating. So what was I to do? So, cat out the window. <laughs> and you think I'm joking, this is seriously me. People would know that I would do that. If I could get somebody to actually have a chair at the front door and we could open the front door and have a chat that way, I would do that. If I could get you actually to do some exercises while you're in your chair, we would do that. So we'd stand up, we'd sit down, I'd, I'd have new bits of music. Um, obviously, Pilgrim Care had been high um, that went into some houses. Um, and I had other people that obviously helped people set up so that they could do um, FaceTime or WhatsApp um, so that they could kill, still communicate. Um, another thing that we worked on um, was swapping people's phone numbers. So I would ask one person, are you happy for me to give you so your phone number so they could then phone each other. Um, so it then meant that even though they couldn't be in a group, they could still support each other. One thing that I could set up and do was walks. You were allowed to walk. Um, so during COVID, um, we set up the health walks. Sometimes it was buddy walks. If that was what the rules were, you could only walk in twos. Sometimes we could walk in a group, but separated um, in twos. But that, to some people, was their lifesavers. The first time after it, it, I set them up that it was pouring with rain, I thought, well, no one's going to be there, but I'll go anyway. Six Service. 
so they would drop somebody off and then have to wait outside until they could pick them up. But it did mean that we could still commune together. So throwing a few pictures up, um, we don't just do health walks. Well, health walks are part of it, but just because somebody is older does not mean that they can't do other things. So this one here is actually at Creighton. So on Friday this last week, there's only a few of us. So it's a case of what do you want to do? Where do you want to walk? Um, so we decided to go to Creighton. Now James, who's on the left, who's on the zip wire with me, is in his 80s. <laughs> I said, come on, we're going to the zip wire. Oh, okay, yeah. He's like, I have not been on a zip wire since I was young. I was like, well, we'll do it together. So that's what we did. Another <laughs> gentleman here. So this is at the Botanics where there's ropes where you can walk down. So this chap was walking with a stick. So I'd taken various different people down the ropes, either next to them or me behind them. And he was like, I want to do that. And I'm like, okay. You're not really meant to risk assess these things and think these things through, but you're like, come on, well, he wants to do this. We can work this. I can jump across from the other rope rather than being behind him and being fallen over. And we did. We managed to go down. Um, this is me frequently. I love nature. I will take pictures. So regularly, people then end up taking pictures of me. So I've learned how to squat so I don't have pictures of my backside. Fingers <laughs> <laughs> right everywhere. Um, oh, one of them's turned around. So this, again, um, the balance beams at the bottom of the botanics that were built for the children, um, that I've actually said to Harry, who runs the botanics, um, it's actually really useful because they're all sort of slightly off kilter. So it does help people. Um, so regularly we'll get people to either walk them and do them themselves, or I'll stand alongside or we'll have to walk them so that somebody can actually try and walk a balance beam because um, it does do such a lot. But one for confidence, the walking, and two for the balance. Um, as for all the, the people that we did all the training for health walks through, um, and this article that was in the paper also was up on their website, and they've actually got a big picture of it that they had at one of the conferences they did um, about sort of the walk and about what we did. Um, so again, that to me was. It was amazing because they recognised that it was inclusive. It didn't matter whether you walked with a walking stick, whether you were in a wheelchair and they needed to push you, whether you were a bench hopper, so you literally did two benches, um, whether you got dementia, whether you were blind, it didn't matter. You were all welcome. Um, so we regularly have um, a lady who is blind that is supported by somebody who's got dementia. Because you just think, why not? Why? Why not? If people want to help and support, let's enable them to do that. So, I've just put up a few more sayings that have just come through from different things that I do, or different things that people have said. Um, but to me, it's just God's love. So the hub, set up as a safe place. And obviously, 
during the Hogwarts, initially I used to always be allowed to open with prayer before a board meeting. I was told to stop doing that. So I used to just share a thought. But you can imagine where these thoughts always came out. <laughs> I just didn't put, you know, where did it come from? Or you use a different version of the Bible, so it wasn't quite so obvious. <laughs> but the idea of the hub was a safe place. Um, <coughs> so, Pilgrim Care and the Vineyard were there from day one. And it meant that I actually had a base. Before then, I worked out of the church office here, I worked out of my car, I worked out of my home, I worked out of wherever I needed to be. Um, but it enabled me then to have a base so that if people wanted to find us, to, to, to come and have a chat, that they felt comfortable, that that was, that was the space where I was. Um, then K2 and the Baptist Church joined the hub. Now to me, it was no accident at all. Now, I was accused of going out and seeking Christian organisations, but I so didn't. You know, yes, I did with the vineyard, but other than that, it was a case of this office is to let who wants them. But it then meant that the top floor actually had everybody praying. Mm. Now, we just did not have the daycare centre downstairs that still belonged to the council. So I used to regularly say, we just pray from the floor. And we just kept, because I was determined that that was something that we would get so that we had the whole building for everybody and it did mean that then we could bring in more vulnerable people to support. Um, got some funding through the Mental Health and Wellbeing Funds, which meant we could employ Rona. Um, and Rona is a retired nurse who works as my assistant, but Rona is just invaluable to me. She is just amazing. So let's talk a bit about some of the groups, one that Pilgrim Care runs and two that the Hub runs or other partners run within the Hub. So it just gives you a bit of a flavour of what's now there. Um, so I run two Hub walks a week, so one to start from the Botanic Gardens one to start from the Hub. I run three different lunch groups a week, um, which means it's safe for people to come in and sit and have lunch and they're welcomed and they're allowed to eat. And if they can afford to eat, then they don't pay. Um, so that we can just allow people to be loved. But it also means that we can have those conversations. We can share over food and just talk. Um, I also run an exercise group. Um, it used to be on chair exercises. I now can do body bingo as well, or even a quiz with bingo. Um, with exercises, so it just means that people can exercise in a fun manner, um, but it also means that you can utilise some of those exercises at home. With the hub, within the hub, there's various craft groups that are now running. Um, that means that, that people can come in and again share. We also set up what we called Let's Chat Tables. So there will be little songs that we put on different tables that if people want to talk, they sit at them and hopefully a volunteer actually sits with them and has a chat. Um, sometimes, obviously, people sit at a table and don't happen to notice the sign, which is fine, but the ethos is of the hub is that, that you do, you support people. Um, so there's some people that come to the hub that 
can be more difficult to love, as you said, and you do see that with some of the volunteers, that they might not talk to them necessarily as much as you would hope, um, which is always a challenge, but they're the people to me that you just love. Um, so there's been different different people that have come through the doors since the hub's been open. Um, and again, I suppose, because I was brought up, that you said please and thank you, if someone is, give me a coffee! I said, please, ask me nicely and you'll get a coffee. And people learn that actually they get better, they get more if they're actually polite. And it also means that we can sit with some of these people and actually find out a wee bit more about them. So with some people, I've spent some time, or they've spent some time, and you start to understand, to a certain extent, why they're using so much offensive language. It's actually defensive. It's their way of, of, of keeping people away because they've been hurt. So it's getting in and just trying to see how we can love them. So, again, I've put you some, some interesting pictures up. Um, the hub, when we first got the keys, obviously we were still during COVID, so that's me and Jane Kell. Um, we've just got the keys, but obviously we're still having to be masked. Um, but we were wanting to take a photo, so a third person outside, so that's what we did. Um, the cafe, that's sort of how it looks, to a certain extent now, just to give you a bit of visualisation. Um, the rainbow, to me, is my office used to be upstairs, and sometimes life could be quite tricky in the hub. You'd have different people falling out, you'd have stuff going on, and I thought, I need to be over there, and I'm trying to deal with this over here, and, you know, so-and-so's falling out so-and-so, and so-and-so's, you know, having an anxiety attack, and, and what do I deal with first? And you're just like, okay, God, where do I go? And it's like, there's the rainbow. I'm and it is, it's more about God will direct and God will lead you to the one person that you're meant to be dealing with at that time. Um, this is me and Rona. <laughs> and those that know David and Mary Weeks can see what their picture is up on the wall and that's actually in the office. Now this picture was taken because um, I've done an article just before Christmas uh, about parish nursing um, and they asked for a picture, a Christmassy picture. So. I like being a bit crazy. These glasses, I've got lots of pictures of many, many clients wearing them and having a bit of fun. Um, boots, they're actually my shoes. But this lady had insisted that she wanted my boots. So we took them off and put her on the feet. Um, and the smile and laughter that came from her and came from others were just quite amazing. I did get my boots back, thankfully. <laughs> I had it with another lady where I ended up losing my coat um, because she'd got dementia and obviously my coat reminded her of her coat many years ago. So she insisted that was her coat. So we tried all sorts to get this coat back. You know, we put the coats, hang them off, I'll try and put my coat back on and leave the house. So I ended up just, just giving her my coat. And I went to the clothesline and there, sure enough, was a coat that fitted me, so that was just fine. Um, but she still wears that coat now. So you think, well, there you go. Um, this picture here is um, 
the group, which is called the Meeting Centre, which we set up, which is um, for people with li living with dementia or their friends and family. Um, and again, the idea is that they direct what happens, so they don't come in and you come in and you say, right, today we're going to do this, and you think, I don't want to do that. Actually, the ideas come from the people. Um, but it is a lot about just supporting people. So this here is one of the volunteers. Um, and the guy that she was working with that day was obviously struggling a wee bit. Art that he was working on reminded him of his wife who died. So she was quite upset. Um, and it was just, it's just so nice that people can touch, you can hold hands, you can sort of support people. Just walk alongside, just listen to the story. So, Alice mentioned Hope at the Hub. So since having the building, my dream was obviously that we could have a Christian service back there. But I knew that I wouldn't be able to do that by myself. So I had to commandeer some partners for this one. Um, the reason that I was so passionate about having a service within the Hub was because some people won't come into a church. I had one lady, the CPM, um, when the hub was at the Episcopal Church, she was coming with me to meet a patient. <clears throat> um, we got to the door, and she was like, I can't come in. I was like, what do you mean? Well, it's at church. And I went, no, but you can still come in, it's fine. No, I can't come in. I'm, I'm a sinner. And I was like, yeah, but God still loves you. I still love you. We're here to see a patient. You've got to come in. It's, it's in your diary. It's an appointment. You've got to make it. You've got to come in. Okay. So she came in. But that sort of resonated with me. Suddenly that, that actually is some people. They can't come into somewhere because of the building. So it's a case of, well, you can't come to us. So we'll come to you. Um, and hope at the hub. It's sort of a service. Sometimes it's not very much of a service, it's more a question and answer, and please God, just tell me what to say next, <laughs> because I'm being quizzed here. Um, and it can be going from tangent to tangent to tangent to tangent, but it's a case of, well, we're there, and we're sharing God's love, we're worshipping, we're praying, we're sharing some of the scriptures with each other, we're answering questions and we're allowing people to explore what faith means and accepting anybody that comes through the door. And if you just come in for five minutes and want to leave, that's just fine. One, the quote, I've just put quote up there to remind me, there was one lady um, that comes to hope at the hub at times and other times is not there. And I spoke to her one day in the cafe and said, are you coming through? And she went, yes. I don't know why, but I find it really peaceful. And it gives something to me. So yes, I'm coming through. So more back to present day of where I am now. Um, I'm now a placement for student nurses, which means that I'm registered with both universities to take a student nurse, either a mental health or an adult student nurse, and it means that you can share what being a Christian nurse is about, but also more about 
how to actually care for somebody. Mm. Um, and I've had quite a few different reactions from mm -hmm. different student nurses, some that have had no faith at all and never actually experienced anything of God. And suddenly I'm asking them to come with me and pray with the patient. They've got to come to church because I'm saying, well, I'm sorry, but I'm leading the service. You're part of your place with me. You have to come. Um, <laughs> you know, you just, and you don't even think sometimes how alien what you're actually doing is. You know, yes, they've read the wee blurb about pilgrim care and about the placement that they're going to, but actually in reality, I'm asking you to jump up and down and be stupid. I'm asking you to, you know, sit with somebody who you can't understand who keeps swearing at you. I'm asking you to, you know, just just work in such a different manner than they've ever met before. But hopefully it's that witness. I've also got social work students now with me. Um, and obviously they're keen to push a bit further, but I'm like, well, I'm not a social worker. But again, it just shows that people are understanding um, that what we're doing is something pretty special. I do lots of training still. So, you know, dementia training, you know, listening training, whatever is needed. If I've got the skill set to do it, I'll do it. If I haven't, I'll find somebody who can. Um, and that sort of, I pulled up a, a quote there, sort of from the Bible, where one, in 1 Peter, um, it says that we've all got different skills. And, you know, I've got some skills, but other people have others. And it's accepting that. It's not trying to do everything for everybody. It's utilising different people's skill set and also enabling people to use their skills. Mm. So, next sort of steps with pilgrim care. Who knows? Because regularly Kath has ideas and God has other ideas. So, you know, if this doesn't come to pass, don't shout at me. It's because it's Kath's idea, not a God idea. Um, but looking at doing a, a friendly cinema, so where we'll show old films, where we'll chat about old things, where we maybe sing, sing along with old, older films um, that's accessible. Tea dances? Mm -hmm. I would love to do tea dances, but doing them intergenerational. So we did a couple way, 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 way pre-COVID um, where we'd invite some nursery schools in and they went really well. So, and another thought that I would really love to do is share a meal with people where we could sing, where we could talk a bit more about what, we, what we're about. Um, but also maybe show The Chosen, sort of episodes of The Chosen. Um, so those are thoughts. But really it's about praying, you know, what is next. So, I'm waffling too much, but there we go. Let's just throw you those up. And food for thought, challenges for us. What can we do? Because I know that sometimes you have to do something that's a wee bit uncomfortable for yourself. You know, I, I think St Andrews is amazing. They've put extra benches in that gives me more people to sit next to and talk to. But that might not be you. But you can pray. You can work with somebody else, maybe. It's just thinking, you know, what can I do? Mm.
and then I've put the same verse up but in a completely different translation. Um, Because I just feel that really, if we share God's love, we make a difference. We shine.